Hello everyone, welcome back to On The Ledger. This is your host Moul Said, and I'm back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. I actually just came back from New York where we were holding our second edition of our biannual conference, Ledger Open. Um, and honestly, it was a very inspiring moment seeing how the ecosystems evolved and how Ledger's evolved in the past year is nothing short of inspiring. And if you've been following the news, you probably know that we've announced some big things during Open including Ledger Market, that is meant to solve some critical security vulnerabilities within the current NFT ecosystem, and finally, provide creators with a secure end-to-end distribution platform. Uh, but another pretty cool announcement is the launch of the Ledgerverse on the Sandbox, with the purpose of educating communities about Web3 security in a more engaging and culturally relevant way, starting with a first experience called School of Block, where players will you will be fighting off hackers and scammers to win exclusive NFT rewards. But what's that all about? Why is Ledger partnering with the Sandbox? And can the metaverse be a driver for Web3 adoption? Big questions, but we're in luck because today we've got a decent amount of brain power on the show. I'm thrilled to be talking with the two Sebastian Bs, both active participants in the development of the metaverse. And first, we've got Sebastian Borget, CEO and co-founder of The Sandbox, uh, will be joined by uh, none other than Ledger's VP of Metaverse, Sebastian Bedeau. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How's it going? Super good. Good to see you all. Good to yeah. see you, Seb. Pretty thrilled to, to have you both on the show. Actually, it's the first time for both of you. So uh, I'm very stoked uh, to start this conversation. And um, let's start by setting the table here uh, for those uninitiated. Um, Sébastien Bourget, could you please tell us uh, about the Sandbox? And most importantly, tell us about the story of the Sandbox, which is actually your story. Because it wasn't always meant to be uh, a blockchain-based game, uh, but the choices you made along the way made it so. So tell us about that evolution and the reasons behind it. All right. So the Sandbox today, it's actually a decentralized gaming virtual world where anyone can make 3D content and experiences games, ventures, more, and own them and truly monetize them through the use of blockchain and NFTs. Sandbox franchise actually started almost over 10 years ago, initially as a mobile game on iOS and Android. We wanted to turn players into creators. Just by the touch of their finger, they could play with many elements, create 2D pixelated world and share those with other players on an online gallery. That game became rapidly very successful and over the life of it, we had more than 40 million downloads, 70 million player made creation. It was quite exciting, a big success, but at the same time, we had one frustration. That frustration was that we were not able to retain the best creators, the people who made the best content and actually that content contributing to bring more downloads and hence more revenue to our game studio, they were leaving over time. They were leaving after a few months, after a few years, simply because ultimately social recognition, fame as a creator isn't enough to keep retaining them. They needed more and that more was actually some recognition in the form of monetization, revenue sharing. We, but we couldn't provide that at scale because of the limitation of the platform by then, uh, iOS and Android. So towards the end of 2017, as entrepreneur, we've been always passionate about new technology, exploring the possibilities offered by them. 
And we found about blockchain gaming. We found about CryptoKitties as the first blockchain games. It, see, it seemed very simple, just like breeding virtual cats. But there was something unique that really struck us, specifically being in the gaming industry for over 10 years, where the fact that you actually bought those virtual cats, not from the developer itself and not even on the marketplace of the game, but you bought it directly from other players on an external marketplace, sort of eBay of digital asset that is OpenSea. And we saw that as a major innovation. We saw like, what? If we enable anyone to make their own NFTs, to become a creator of NFTs and then sell them, maybe we'll have the solution to our problem. Creators can now monetize our content by selling directly and earning directly from users. And that's how came to us the idea. Let's combine user-generated content with NFTs, build a new version of Sandbox, this time no longer as a mobile 2D game, but as a multiplayer 3D and PC and Mac first and then multi-platform platform actually with creation tool, with a marketplace, with a map, making it becoming a virtual world, with a game maker, no code, and a game client. And that's what we've been doing for the past four years since 2018, being these pioneers into building a metaverse, progressively adding lands as NFTs, adding um, avatars as your digital identity, and bringing along more than 300 brands besides the tens of thousands of users who are contributing and, and are being creators on the platform as well. That's really where we are today. Sandbox counts more than 3 million uh, registered users with a wallet. We've launched successfully uh, two alpha seasons where users could play and, and engage with the content made by the community and proudly having more than 21,500 unique landowners who own, who are stakeholders of the platform, contributing to its development and being also involved into its success. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And like hearing you talk about it, it uh, truly seems like the sandbox was actually, you know, created out of uh, this drive for the creator economy and then that the Web2 mechanics didn't really enable it to actually unleash its potential to its fullest. And then once it actually started using, you know, blockchain technology and digital assets, this is really where um, I would say the, the, the right recipe um, fell together. Um, and, you know, Sebastian, you've been working at some of the biggest companies in the tech world, um, such as Alibaba, Google or Amazon. Um, and, you know, obviously talking about the creator economy, this is basically where it all started um, in Web2. Um, and you've recently joined, um, you know, Web3 uh, at such a nascent phase. Um, um, you know, would be fair to say that we're still very early. Um, so the question is, you know, why did you do that so early? And there's another question that everyone is asking is, what the hell does it mean to be VP of Metaverse? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a great it's a great question. Uh, so I think for me, it was really a natural step because I think, you know, when I started my career, uh, I was lucky enough to be in the U.S., and so I have access to the internet pretty early on. And then my first, uh, my first experience out of school was in a startup, uh, which is still around, uh, which is called sports.com, which is the second largest sports portal in the U.S. And I was just a kid out, out of school. I was 22 years old. Um, and then, you know, what I was really attracted by was this new frontier and this idea that this was something that was going to be a revolution one way or another. Uh, and, and that's what's always driven uh, my choices. So 
you know, in Web1 with Amazon, um, obviously e-commerce was a big revolution. And then what I thought was really interesting as well is this idea of how do you work with, you know, brands and creators to help them take advantage of uh, this, new plat- uh, this new platform or this new opportunity. And that's really what I've been doing uh, for the past 20 years, you know, so I've done it with e-commerce then with you know, digital marketing and advertising and video advertising through YouTube when I was at, at Google YouTube for, for 10 years. China was a bit of a sidestep, but it was kind of like the same process, right? This idea of saying, well, China is this massive opportunity for, 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 for companies in Europe to go touch a, a market of like a billion uh, potential uh, buyers. And, and a lot of people don't know about it. They don't even know that you can actually go sell on Chinese platforms, even if you don't have a store there. And, and so Web3 for me is, is this natural step. And, and, and what I see and, and really believe is that it feels that it's a revolution that could be even bigger than Web1, Web2, and Web2.5 or Web China put together because it has the potential to really be something um, that in terms of its philosophy and the way that it's being built is super different. And, and what I love about it is everything around interoperability, everything around inclusivity, around creativity. And then at the end of the day, like around what I call new economy. And what I love about this, and, and you know, when Seb just described how they rebuilt the sandbox and, and, and they rebuilt it because they wanted to create this new economy. When the internet started, or, or when e-commerce started in the, back in 2000, people used to call it the new economy. But at the end of the day, it was very much the same economy, just transposed in the digital world. If you buy a book at the FNAC physically, or at you know, whatever, Barnes & Nobles, uh, or you buy it on Amazon.com, it's the same thing that you're doing. Here, what's being created is really a new creator-led and, own and, 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 and user-led economy, and that hasn't existed up until now. So that's what I find like super fascinating. And as far as my role at Ledger, I mean, right now what we're focusing on really is, in, is, is the NFT space. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Mo, thank you for the plug. We launched Ledger Market uh, during um, Ledger Open, which we believe is really a huge, huge step for the company. And I think that, you know, as Seb was talking about the evolution of Sandbox, there's also an evolution of Ledger, right? We started with, you know, this little piece of hardware here, which is still a very, very important thing that everybody should be using. Uh, and we pivoted towards, you know, uh, enterprise. So we do this for enterprise client. And actually, I have one right here. This is what we sell our enterprise clients on my desk. Um, and, um, and services. Uh, and, and, and now, you know, I think that this is what Metaverse is, right? It's the idea of this new economy is going to re- um, create new digital assets. And what's very interesting is that while people have been, you know, about 20% of the world's crypto is being secured by ledgers today, well, when you look at NFTs or digital assets, it's a much higher percentage. So people have a propensity to uh, protect their digital asset that goes beyond protecting the digital currency, which is interesting. And I think it's because they have an emotional and, and a social uh, relationship to them. And, and as you mentioned, we just came back from uh, NFT New York City and you know, uh, token gated access to parties was a thing, right? And if you didn't have the token gated access, you couldn't get in. Uh, so I think, you know, we're really at the beginning of a new journey and we feel at Ledger a responsibility to, to, to really help, again, brands and creators take advantage of this new frontier. And that's why I'm here, because I, I want to do this, because it's what I've been doing for the past 20 years. And it's super exciting. Love it. There's so much to unpack here, but um, I want to go back to something um, Seb um, actually mentioned earlier, which is um, the sense of engagement that comes with digital ownership. 
um, that wasn't really present in, in like the previous version of the internet that we're all talking about, which is the internet of information, basically. Um, so when you're thinking about digital ownership plus the metaverse, um, both of them are kind of changing the game of community engagement. Um, and in your opinion, Seb, what does it mean for creators and brands? Um, and how does it differ uh, from, uh, say, you know, um, a Web2 metaverse like Roblox or Fortnite or even any Web2 social media platform? Well, you know, I, I feel like true digital ownership is, first of all, should be a right online, like any digital asset, any asset should be a digital asset on a blockchain that you could ultimately own, you could ultimately transfer and you could use wherever you want without having to ask the permission to anyone about that. But well, Surprisingly, that's what happened in the real world, but that's not what's happening online into any like web service or web one, web two, and now uh, only starts happening through web three. And it's kind of strange to feel like we've grown accustomed for over 25 years, 30 years, as far as I remember, uh, internet exists with the idea that we're spending real money into buying virtual content, virtual clothes, uh, skins, game items, virtual currency in games. Gaming is actually the, the industries that gather the most spends, uh, more than mo uh, movies and music combined. And no one is actually questioning this very simple fact that like, why is that like the content I'm buying in one game, I cannot actually take it away from that game to another user. It's mine, I bought it. And uh, you can not only cannot transfer it to another user, you cannot sell it, there is no way to cash it back when you still leave the game or the game actually closed because for whatever reason, it's no longer operating, it was not success profitable or just getting too old and no longer developed. All of those, it's something that we've been accustomed to uh, for a long time and we've seen into virtual worlds and a lot of virtual worlds that are still proclaiming themselves metaverses they are still just centralized wall garden economies which are trying to like who are locking in their users and their data and even worse they are building business models where they are monetizing the users and their data uh, sometimes without even their consent by selling that data to advertisers who are going to try to sell them other uh, products online, etc. That creates an even worse user experience overall, where we uh, as users feel like there's ads everywhere, we're being tracked online, we're sometimes even being influenced into our decision and our democracy and freedom is at risk. But more than that, we feel like that everything has to be transactional. There's no more space for imagination. There's no more space for just experience. And there is no way that uh, you can be building a place where uh, it's no longer like that. And users take back that ownership of their identity, take back their ownership of their data, etc. So Second Life was probably one of the very first virtual world where users could already own land, could already have an avatar, interact. Mm -hmm. But all of it was built around like just trying to reproduce the real world, those brick and mortar shops and try to sell product to users. It was 
frankly speaking, pretty boring, not fun. And you did have a huge brand adoption as well. Like we had a French president who, who, who's done his you know, presidential campaign in Second Life. I don't know if you guys know about this, but the adoption back then was, was like there was a huge momentum around this. But every time I ask around, like whoever tried Second Life, yes, once, whoever tried twice, well, that falls down rapidly. And that's the issue. Like people don't think and don't try to build the metaverse as not just a place you come, but they're going to place, you're going to come repeatedly, like probably you create an habit because you will find fun, because you will uh, interact regularly, you will discover new things and you will have a great reason to do so. There's always something new, something fresh, something unexpected. You get joy into the discovery, but you can also get revenue from the content you sell, from the experience you have that people could access, for example, through NFT gating uh, and more. So fast forward today, like what blockchain and NFTs allows us to do is to finally let users own their uh, identity, that avatar, own their digital asset, such as like wearables, equipment, game item, virtual land, virtual houses, and more, own their currency and have that real freedom of using them from one world to another, creating that truly open metaverse, back to, for us, what the definition of metaverse is, like, like, like this set, it's myriad of virtual world where users can move from one another with total freedom uh, of their identity. And there is a whole economy, that digital economy that takes place on top of those digital assets, not just as creator, because yes, it starts as a creator economy and definitely creators are important. You want to reward the people who are going to contribute building that world with you and make it become bigger and bigger. But there's also a whole economy for the users, the people who are here just to play, to spend time, to bring life, to make each experience unique because it's not just talking with uh, non-playable characters, NPC, or entering empty world, but it's entering world full of life. And that value is being derived from the time you're going to spend completing quests, learning, educating, attending virtual concerts, virtual shows, visiting art galleries, museums, etc. A great set of different kind of experience, new form of entertainment. And all, all of those will reward you, like complete a quest, you earn actually tokens, items that are tokens, NFTs or, or currency, and those again can be sold. You have that freedom of choice to hold them, to use them, to sell them, to transfer them. And that's really interesting. And, and I think that's here the ground to build something really new that we've not seen before that has the greater potential to retain users and engage them over time. One, one thing I want to add, if I can, is that I like the fact that you mentioned you know, the, the comparison between the gaming and the music industry. And I think it's very powerful because when you look at the two industries, maybe like 40 years ago, 50 years ago, they, they were about the same size, right? They were both like about $20 billion. And the music industry went way up, then went way down, almost crashed to its death, like around the Napster time, and then like went back up thanks to Spotify. But, you know, their mindset was always to try to like trap the user, right? Like the idea was to say, hey, uh, oh, uh, you had this uh, thing on LP, now buy it on cassette, now buy it on, on, on CD, now buy the special edition, whatever. Now rent your music because you don't own it anymore. But basically, you pay again and again for something that you already own. And the music industry was always trying to find new ways to make their consumer base and never trying to help innovation. While the, while the gaming industry has 
always innovated and innovated first. And as a result, now it's eight times the size of the music industry. And I think that that's a very powerful message for anyone in business, that innovation at the end of the day will win. And, and being co consumer centric and thinking about your customer first. And, and, and so when Seb is saying, if you own, you know, if I, this sweatshirt that I own, I own it, I can wear it whenever I want, wherever I go, I can wear it in the restaurant, I can wear it, you know, at a friend's house. And it's not like if I go somewhere else, I cannot own it. The same should go for digital assets. And so creating that freedom for players that the gaming industry is doing is the right way to go. And I think that, you know, for brands, when you were thinking about uh, them going into that space, it's, it's, it's a process for them because they're not necessarily used to, you know, giving that much freedom. But the freedom, as you can see from the gaming industry, is also something that creates growth and creates, you know, user um, loyalty because, you know, they feel that they're being treated well by the people that they engage with. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. And you think, you know, um, about the network effects of actually having a presence in the metaverse. And um, I, I'm a big fan of Raul Pal, and he always mentions Metcalf's law. Um, and if you think about the metaverse, it's just, you know, the idea that one person can actually become two persons, they can actually become a community and then keeps growing with a shared idea of the same values and, and the same culture. Uh, but, but Seb, I want to go back to something that you were talking about, you know, which is that most people still perceive Ledger as being a hardware security company. Um, while that is entirely true, uh, there's more to it than that. Uh, and you've said it right when you've mentioned, you know, Ledger Market and of course the Ledgerverse. So tell us more about that. So I, I think that what's amazing is that the Ledgerverse really comes from uh, the, the us meeting with Seb Borger and, and Sandbox. I mean, we're lucky enough that, you know, we live in the same city and we know a lot of the same people. And, and I think that, you know, we started our partnership at the end of 2021. Um, we are now like proud owners of a six by six estate on, on your land and that will get, you know, pushed uh, very, very quickly and then and we'll be there. And then, you know, I think, Mo, it actually starts with you. You're the one who should be telling the story because I think that, you know, when you went to... Uh, ETC in, uh, in, in July, you came back and you said, oh my God, the sandbox is so cool, we got to get on it, right? And so I think that what I, what I love about the Ledgerverse is that it really sits at this, you know, kind of interesting crossroads of everything that Ledger is, right? So um, it's around education because we feel that it's our responsibility to educate people around, you know, the importance of security uh, when they get onto Web3. I mean, Web3 is an amazing opportunity. It's like, you know, the idea of self-custody and, so and self-sovereignty after everything that we've had to deal with in the past 15 to 20 years where we really gave away all of our personal information to uh, these uh, different companies. Now we go back to actually owning it. But that, you know, with the whole Spider-Man thing, great, great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, it's a responsibility to own your own thing. Right now, you know, I don't have my money. My money is in, in, in the bank. I mean, some of it is, is here, but most of it is in the bank. So I have to go ask my banker to go use my money. If I have my own money, yeah, it's, 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 it's much more freedom, but it's, it's, it, it has responsibility. And so I think that, like, we feel that because we understand that space and because we create products that allow for people to, 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 to be secure, it's also our responsibility to explain to them how to do that. That was true in the, in, in the crypto world. It's even more true uh, in the NFT world because as we know, you know uh, there isn't a week that goes by where there isn't a hack or a scam. You know, we, I think the, the, the number, the, 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 it's about $3 billion that has been scammed uh, since uh, 2021 in, in, in different uh, hacks that have happened. And that, that cannot go. So it's in all an interest because 
you know, we want the ecosystem to grow. So it's the interest of Ledger, but it's the interest of the overall ecosystem as a whole, right? Like it will not grow unless you create ease of use and inclusivity, and it will not grow unless you create something that's secure. So I think it spoke very well also to, uh, to, to, to Sandbox, uh, because I think it's also in their interest. And also because I think that in the way, and Seb, you know, I'm speaking you know, for you, but I'm, I'm sure you'll agree that you know, the, the, re the reason why, what I love about Sandbox is that it's accessible to anyone. You don't need a VR headset. You don't need to have some kind of you know, uh, power in coding or whatever. Anyone can come and build. And so it's very, very inclusive that way. So you know, um, what, you, what we unveiled last week and where you were unveiling it, uh, which is you know, the, the, this first game essentially where you know, people are going to be able to come in and, 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 and do these different quests and, 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 and win all these different tokens and then create a shield. Uh, and then next to that, what we're also doing, which I think is very powerful, is creating these super cool custom uh, Ledger Nanos uh, with a sandbox. Uh, oh, you have one right there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, Seb's got the box. Nobody's got like the, the super custom one. No, we'll, we'll have to uh, put it in the show notes because we made like this really, that we, it was actually on display at Ledger Open. We made this really cool one, which is the map of the, 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 the Ledgerverse within the sandbox and the, the Ledger in there. So it's a really great partnership. We're like super happy to uh, to to work with uh, with Sandbox on this, and I think that at the end of the day, you know, it's really going to help both of our communities. I think we'll bring some Ledger fans onto the Sandbox, and some Sandbox users will like become Ledger users, and so we'll all benefit from uh, from that. And again, what I think is even more important is that the overall ecosystem is going to benefit from more security and more inclusivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and coming back to that ECC moment, uh, that was actually really the moment when I, last year during ECC, I attended the um, conference Sebastian was doing. And it was really um, a click moment for me because we were thinking about new ways of trying to educate people and making sure like education in, in Web3 is very, um, I would say, uh, separate from the Web3 experience itself. If you want to learn about Web3 security, you need to use Web2 mediums, like read an article, listen to a podcast, watch a video. Um, and the thing is that, you know, the incentives aren't really aligned. And when Seb was talking about, you know, different gamification uh, possibilities and the fact that you can actually educate people by creating storylines and using NFTs as an incentive, it really was to me like, you know, the, the, the right information and the right inspiration at the right time to start thinking about how can we actually start educating people in a way that is actually completely aligned with what they're actually coming into the space for, which is basically, you know, getting NFTs and, and experiencing the space. Um, you, you know what I loved about what you're saying, Mo, is that every time I talk to people, because obviously, you know, we're still a very small community, right? Like Web3 is being built right now. We're at very early, early days. Uh, Anderson Horowitz just released a, a report that shows that when you look at the level of the adoption of Web3, we're the equivalent of maybe like 1992, if you compare it to the equivalent to, to the adoption of the web, right? Like we, in terms of number of users, and it took a while to get to a billion users for the internet, and it's going to be the same for, for, for Web3. But, um, and, and that's fine. But what I think is, is really interesting is that when people ask me, so how, what do I do? What do I do if I want to get into it? And what I tell them always is like, just go out and test it out, try it out, like buy some crypto, buy an NFT, buy a ledger, go on Sandbox, try it out. And so I think what's amazing is that this particular um, you know, partnership is a great way to tell people, hey, you want to learn about crypto and security? Go on the Sandbox and check it out. And that, that's a really easy step for people to take. And then they can you know, go down the rabbit hole and do different things. But it's, I, I think to bring more people onto the space, you need to, 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 to really be 
you know, create an easy on-ramp. And to me, that's a really easy on-ramp. Yeah, could I agree more? Like, there's two things about what you've been saying more and said here that that's, I'm really aligned here. It's first thing is like when most of the brand enter the metaverse, they, they, they go into it more creatively. They start even to redefine themselves. They start embracing and opening themselves and embracing user-generated content to expand their presence creatively together with their community. And they, they go through a process where they focus on like what's, um, rather than trying to extract value from users, they try to look at like, what value can I give to my user with this new medium of expression, with this new technology, where they become, when my users have become an avatar, they can socialize with each other and they can do uh, all sorts of action, like engaging with quests, completing uh, uh, games, or even just dancing, expressing themselves and more. And we're having this whole range of experiences like, of course, Sandbox started as a game. That's our background. That's actually, that's what enabled us to, to bring more entertainment around everything, all the experience that brand brings. But we are excited to, to push into many other uh, areas, including education. And right now, Sandbox, like last year, when I actually, I, I started this conversation with Mo, Sandbox probably had a million, a million point five users. Today, Sandbox is about 3.5 million registered users with a wallet. So somehow mm -hmm. Sandbox is a driving force to bring people into Metaverse, to bring people in crypto. They come for the fun, they come for the engagement with their avatar, they come to create, to socialize, and then after they, they discover about uh, crypto, etc but they are not necessarily well educated toward the risk, like you mentioned, of like what it means to hold your own crypto. And what's the best way to explain them than to explain it like natively in the space, like rather to go to like boring tutorials where they just read passively things or watch videos and they just follow, they want to be immersed. And I think like Ledger with the School of Blocks and the Ledgerverse has done a great job at using natively here the metaverse to create to gamify the learning process and um, the beginning of the partnership for us was already to make sure because of the rise of the popularity of nfts the rise of uh, the popularity of sandbox we're starting to see a number of users falling for phishing attempts falling for scams and losing their precious digital asset and virtual land was to protect themselves by having the most secure wallet provider so we begin here with we need to partner with the leader in the space and the leader is ledger it's a french company we're lucky we're close to them let's go talk to them so a year ago at a conference at cc in paris we start engaging in the conversation, but very rapidly the vision evolve and we say that we, we have to do more than just provide a wallet. Providing the wallet is just a step one toward the overall immersion and taking users. And, and I'm glad that uh, we could, like the experience within a year, much less time actually, we built an amazing experience. Actually, I love to hear like who you picked to build, how was the creative process behind it, uh, gamified and, with the benefit of like security, education, earning rewards, like it's definitely a, a great showcase of how other brands can enter the space mm -hmm. and offer something of value to their user base, reinventing themselves, growing out of their core business. 
I mean, the amount of passion and engagement that we got from the team to answer your question, Sebastian, like with Cyril here, here in the room, uh, Swipebug, the guys at Swipebug that were actually, you know, helping us build this, everyone was feeling that there was a lot of purpose behind the project. Like that we all knew someone who got scammed, we all knew someone who got hacked, and we all want to make sure that, you know, to prevent that in the future because we want to protect the space. But at the same time, being able to do it in a way that's fun by creating a story and creating characters and putting in Easter eggs and thinking about the reward of, you know, uh, Seb mentioned it, um, the, the ledger armor and shield that everyone will be able to get and wear it further down the line in the metaverse, being some sort of a memory of, you know, going through that first experience, which is the School of Block. It's a lot of fun. And to your point, like the level of engagement isn't only from the community, it's the level of engagement of the people that are actually, you know, creating this thing. Um, so we've actually got a lot of ideas for the, the, the next few lands. And, um, you know, obviously the le- we're going to try and play around a bit more with the technology and what it enables us to do. Actually, I, I saw you already launch a creative contest called uh, with VoxEdit, the 3D editor, and yeah. maybe a game jam. So you're already engaging the community to learn new skills, to become creators themselves and participate to build collectively uh, the yeah. next experience, as far as I understand. Yeah, and, and actually, thanks for, for, for that. I'll just explain what, what that is. It's actually, if you're listening to this and you want to participate in the contest, uh, you can actually design a voxelized character of any kind, any form, and we'll use your character in our next map as an NPC. So your creation will come to life in the Ledgerverse. That's cool. Um, Ian Rogers, who's an, uh, often a guest on this podcast, he... he, he, he he says something that I really like. He says that uh, people start only start caring about security when they get wrecked, and it shouldn't be that way. And so I think this is a really good example of like making people care about security before they actually have to deal with it. And I think that's big. Um, the other thing is that I I love, uh, and unfortunately it's not it's not mine, but I think the fact that we called it the Ledgerverse showed that this was meant to be right. You know, because it just fit, fit, it fits so beautifully. Uh, send, uh, Ledgerverse on Sandbox just sounds amazing in terms of branding. I think it's a, it's an amazing brand, the Ledgerverse. Yeah. So it's time for us to move uh, to the last segment of the show. Um, I've decided to share my role with you and have you ask each other one question each. Uh, so this is our usual way of participating in decentralization. Uh, feel free to go first. Okay, so I found I found one. Uh, it's a, so actually, I, I can I ask two. Um, all right, <laughs> let's do it. I have I have I have one which is the one that popped into my head, and then I have one that I really like that Tim Ferriss asks all his guests. So the one that popped into my head is that I would love to know what Seb wanted to do uh, when he was a kid, when he was thinking about you know what did you want to do when you grew up, what did you want to do when you grew up, and then the second one, which is the Tim Ferriss question, is to what book uh, have you given as a gift uh, the most to people? A book that really had an, uh, was important to you and so you gave it to many people or you recommend it to, uh, to, to, to the most people? All right. Ha, tricky question. So what job did I want to do when I was a kid? Um, well, the thing is, like, I didn't know exactly what I want to do. I knew, like, I want to understand how products are being made and want to make my own product, physical uh, object, etc. And so somehow I kind of postponed my decision of what to do all the time by by going into studies, which would always keep me my, my option the most open at all time. And I found like 
engineer would be a great title to or a great job to kind of touch everything. So I went through like high school and then a class prepa in France and then engineering school. And the first thing that the director said uh, when we started the engineering school say, you chose the right job because we are going to train you so you can do anything you want. You can always adapt yourself in the future. And then I thought, okay, great. So I, I, I picked the right choice. And well, I didn't end up being an engineer uh, anymore. I kind of dive into uh, being uh, entrepreneur and managing uh, business aspect, operation, people, IDs, and, and much more uh, over time. And, and that's basically kind of the short story. The long story, well, we don't want to know too much things, but I used to be a hacker, a coder, developing things for in, in open source back in the days and, and more. Um, the books I love to offer the most. Um, so again, uh, I, I didn't read so much books, but I read tons of comic books when I was a kid. I started reading all the Tintin, Asterix, etc. And then I fall around the 10, 10 11 years old. Uh, in my first Japanese comics with uh, uh, Captain Tsubasa. So actually, it's a brand that came into Sandbox last week. So I have really a personal feeling uh, and attachment to this one. I didn't know that. Uh, That's my favorite anime. I didn't know that great. they came into the Sandbox. Well, <laughs> Check well, it out. If you're born in France, it was indeed like all the time on the main it's TV the Olive Tom. Olive Tom. But I bought it, the comic book. And from there, I had a large collection of over 2,000 Japanese comic books. And usually the first thing you do is you, f you offer the, tom the, the first uh, book of a long series and let people read it. And what's next? They have to read the sequel and the sequel and the sequel. So in a way, uh, I, I kind of built my culture through comic books more than traditional books, um, which maybe made me more visual uh, as a person than, than just uh, literal. Sebastian. So. All right. So, so for you, Sebastian, some question. Like you've somehow uh, had the chance or been lucky. Call it luck. Sometimes I feel like luck is just a repetition of like wise decision in your life, smart decision in your life. And so you've had the chance to participate in to so many companies that shape the future of like how people have been using products. Um, what do what your experience accumulated makes you think we're still missing in the metaverse? Maybe in terms of user experience, in terms of like feature as well. You think like, oh, when I was at YouTube, those guys they understood it so well, and yet Seb at Sandbox, he's missing on that. That's a great question. I mean, I think what 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 I've seen, and I think I got different lessons from every company that I joined. Uh, at Amazon, I saw just like total obsession uh, and, and a c uh, customer obsession, like obsession about the customer always, like this idea of the customer is always, you know, everything has to be really focused around that, like, you know, ease of use or whatever. But the, the overall obsession and just like of having that very clear goal, uh, I think was, was really, really powerful. And that's what made it, you know, and, and then flawless execution. I think that that's the thing right now that I'm seeing, but I think it's also like super normal and um, there's probably uh, a bit of a lack of focus uh, in, in certain ways. Uh, the fact that the market fluctuates so much also makes it difficult, but I think that that's the thing that makes, you know, 
people being successful at the end of the day is you know focus and flawless execution. So make sure that you know you have, and it doesn't mean don't pivot, right? Like you can obviously pivot and 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 and, and, and or you know grow your business and make it bigger than than it was. But having like a very clear focus is what you to to where you're going. I'm not saying you don't have that some by the way. I'm saying that that's what I'm seeing missing in the overall space right now. Mm-hmm. But again, I feel it's also the growing pains to me. We're really at the be- very very beginning. Ledger has been around for eight years. I mean, I think Sandbox and Ledger in some ways have been around fairly long for, 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 for the space. But there are so many things that, be, that are being built right now. Uh, so we'll be able to judge only like uh, in the next you know, five years or so. But I think you know, I would really encourage everybody to make sure that they focus on the right things and then they execute flawlessly. That's that's pretty inspiring. I actually want to want to do a follow up question, if that's allowed. Why do you think that lack of focus is? Because at the end of the day, when you're seeing the amount of, um, I would say, intelligent people, smart people that are moving from Web two to Web three, um, do you think it's just a matter of time? Is it getting familiar with the technology? Is it about finding the right synergies within the ecosystem? I think there's one one of the things is uh, part part of it is linked to some people moving in and just trying to you know have a success or make a, I don't want to say make a quick buck, but, you know, kind of like turn it, uh, that's, that's not the right focus. Like focusing on, 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 on money isn't necessarily like the right focus. I think the right focus is on what you give to the consumer or, or, or what you're trying to build within the ecosystem. And I think that there's, you know, obviously a certain percentage of, of, of builders in the space that are really thinking more about returns because that's also what we've built as a, as a culture, right? Like the tech culture has been really focused a lot on, you know, you, you, you raise money and then you IPO and all these different things. That's not necessarily the right focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing is just, I feel that um, we're a lot of, there's a lot of projects that are trying to recreate things that exist um, in, um, in Web2 or in the real world, if you will, especially like in, on Metaverse. We were joking about that with Nelly and Seb at Vivitech last week, like, you know, why, why are there benches in the metaverse, right? Like, you know, it's not like you can like sit down, right? But, but I think that, that that's an interesting point because I think the mindset is often about, okay, we're just going to take what we see in the real world, like build it into digital. And that shouldn't really be the focus. The focus should be, you know, what can we create that doesn't exist somewhere else? So I think mm-hmm. that that's the thing that I'm seeing. It's just this, um, you know, trying to get quick gains and also just trying to duplicate something that worked in another prior world. I think those are the two things that, that, that are keeping from the, the main focus. Gentlemen, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I really love chatting with, with both of you and I'm really excited about building the Ledgerverse on the sandbox uh, together with you during a bear market where we can actually focus on the right things. Let's do it. Yes. Can't wait to see people playing it, sharing the best moments and contributing to build it as a community for like the next lens. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Seb. Thanks, Seb. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. That's it. A pretty cool conversation with the two very inspiring Sebastian Bees. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Ledgerverse and its first experience school of blog, please head to Ledger's Twitter and Instagram account. And if you have not subscribed to the show yet, please go hit that subscribe button and help us help you get more of this. This was On The Ledger from Paris with your host, Mo Sayed. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.